Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats weekly podcast episode number 25. I am your host, Dan Matson, and this is the world's first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, and tradition of wooden vessels. Thanks for joining me today, folks. Great to have you again. Show number 25. We're just about six months into this gig and still having a lot of fun with it. Today's featured segment is an interview I did recently with Tim Lee. Tim is an instructor at the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building in Port Townsend. Uh, he graduated from there in 1990 and did a lot of cool stuff after that before he returned to teach. So stick around for the interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. The email I was going to read this week is from my buddy Pete Lienhouts, and this kind of ties into the interview this week. Uh, it has to do with a boat that's over at the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building, and I think I might have referred to it in my uh, podcast where I interviewed Bill Mahler of the school there, the director of the school. Anyway, there's a boat there called the Felicity, Felicity Ann. So I'll read you the email here. Ann Davidson, in her, 20, her little 23-foot sloop, Felicity Ann, was the first woman to solo across the Atlantic. So she sailed across the Atlantic in 1953, first woman to do that. After her historic crossing, her boat passed through a series of owners and finally languished in Alaska for 25 years before it was recently donated to the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building as a last chance for restoration. And then he goes on to say that one of the alumni at the school, Penelope Peacock, recently stepped up to marshal the team of women alumni to work with our current class to restore Felicity Ann and return the sloop to seagoing condition. I am confident with Penelope's leadership and the school's support under the direction of Chief Instructor Tim Lee that the students and apprentice shipwrights can return Felicity Ann to health. We will keep you informed. And there's a link on here, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. And if you click on the link, it takes you to a little slideshow about the boat. And the more people they get to view that little slideshow, uh, the more financial support they get for the project. So I'm going to put that on there. It's a pretty cool thing. So thanks, Pete, for shooting that over to me. I'd love it if you'd connect with me. You can email me, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. Go to my website, hooked at hookedonwoodenboats.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook and Twitter if you look for Wooden Boat Dan there. And my latest uh, fun thing to do is I've started messing around with Pinterest a little bit. Uh, Pinterest is just spelled uh, P and then the word interest. So if you go to pinterest.com forward slash woodenboatdan, I've got three bulletin boards there. 
on one of the boards, I've got pinned some uh, events that are coming up in the wooden boat world, some festivals and so on around the Northwest. And then I've got another uh, bulletin uh, board with some videos, actually just one video at the time, a boat video. I'm going to add some more to that. And then I've got another one just with cool pictures. And so I, I'm thinking I really like Pinterest. Uh, it's very intuitive. You put pictures up and they're linked to different things. And uh, it's kind of fun to organize it and you can categorize it. And I'm kind of having fun with it, kind of kind of liking it more than Facebook. But anyway, check it out. Uh, Pinterest.com slash Dan. Let me know what you think about that. Let's see, if you haven't already, please subscribe to my e-news list. You can do that on my homepage on the right-hand side. There's a button you click there and you give me your uh, personal last name and email address. It's a way for me to connect with you. And I'm actually, this coming week, I'm going to send out an email to my e-news list with links to a couple of really cool videos on Viking ships. One is a short video uh, about Jay Smith, who's building the Viking ship in Anacortes. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, hold on just a second. I'm going to look it up here real quick. I'm back. Uh, so it's podcast number seven. So if you go to hookedonwoodenboats.com slash 007, you can see the full interview or hear the full interview I did with Jay. Anyway, I'm going to send out a little video about him, an update on that. And then also a video about a Viking ship that's over 100 feet long. I forget the exact length. I'm thinking it's 130, maybe something like that, uh, that's being built in, it's either Denmark or Norway. I think it's Denmark. Uh, but anyway, this massive project, and it's really a well-done video kind of uh, chronicling the building of this Viking ship. Uh, it's the largest one to be built in modern times using traditional clinker construction methods and so on. So you won't want to miss that. So subscribe to my e-news list and you'll get those updates. Yesterday I ordered some new uh, broadcasting or podcasting equipment. And what that will allow me to do is to do Skype interviews so I can basically have a good recording over Skype to somebody in another location. So I'm pretty excited to get that equipment, get it set up and get it tested. And then I'll be able to start doing some remote interviews with folks around the country and around the world for that matter. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for that because that's going to open up a ton of new doors uh, for interviews. And I've got a list that's growing of people that I do want to interview remotely that way for uh, hookedonwoodenboats.com. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Also have been working on my canoe project, my sassafras 12-foot canoe a little bit. I've got all my half planks now. I think there's 20 half planks. Yeah, I know there's 20. I've got them all formed up and fared. Uh, so now I'm going to cut my scarfs this week and epoxy the half planks together. As I mentioned before, it's a symmetrical boat. So I'm going to epoxy those half planks together. Then I'll be able to stitch this baby up and see what she looks like. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm hoping it's still a very light boat. And uh, I'm actually hoping to row it across the Atlantic next summer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. <laughs> I think. 
<laughs> anyway, just want to get it out on the local <laughs> lakes and rivers and so on and have a little fun. Something that's light to throw on top of the car. So I'll keep you posted on that. Well, it's time for the interview with Tim. I think you're really going to enjoy this. So let's go ahead and get started. Take it away, Tim. It is February 14th, and I am at the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building with Tim Lee, one of the instructors. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Good to have you here today. We just took a little tour of the shop and looked at some boats. So, Tim, where are you from? I grew up in Michigan. Okay. And um, my family was from Kentucky, so Michigan was never really home. Really? And as soon as I graduated high school, I started going up to Alaska. So I kind of wandered around a bit. Yeah, so what'd you do in Alaska? Uh, I had a brother who'd moved up there, and he was working at Denali National Park and racing sled dogs. And so I went up there and um, hung out with him for a while and kind of got interested in um, carpentry and. Yeah, he's helping me build log cabins and dog sleds and stuff like that. Okay, that's kind of how I slowly worked my way into this. Were you uh, building dog sleds out of wood? Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So when did you first start boating? Did you do some as a kid when your family do some boating or? No, I always kind of was interested in it, and I had friends who sailed on the Great Lakes, but I was from like the center of the state, and um, so there wasn't a lot of boating other than skiing and stuff like that. And then in, um, it was kind of like going to Alaska and seeing people traveling around and getting interested in woodworking. And I had a chance to go sailing on the East Coast with another brother of mine. And then um, we went to, um, <clears throat> I was kind of looking for a way to blend traveling and working at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so boats kind of came along at that point for, for So me. when did you first get interested in wooden boats in? Um, I think those are the only kind of boats that ever interested me. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the other, the glass and the other stuff. Ski boats were fun, but I mean, it, it, nothing captured me until I started going. Actually, the first time I went sailing was on a wooden boat. Uh huh. And um, where was that at? That was off the coast of Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it was my first time to the ocean, my first time on a sailing, and so okay. it was, set the hook pretty hard. Yeah. So were you, uh, how long were you in Alaska then? Um, I was in Alaska a couple different times. Before I started getting into boating, I was there for like four years, mostly working during the summers. I did winter up there, but um, mostly I was working summers at the park. And then um, after I came to Port Townsend and worked in Port Townsend for like four or five years, my wife and I had a folk boat that we were living on, and we took that back up to southeast Alaska. And then we lived on that for a year or so in southeast. And then um, So I was in southeast for like four, about four years also. So what exactly is a folk, folk boat? A folk it boat, it's a, um, it's a sailboat. It depends on if you're Danish or Norwegian or Swedish. You know, they all kind of claim it. But it was a class boat that evolved there. It's a little 25-foot sloop, um, lap-strike boat. There's a bunch really? of them around. Yeah. Um, so they're great little boats, a great first boat. Um, I bought it from Jeff Hammond, who's an instructor here, as a haul. And so we fitted that out. Um, and a bunch of them came over to San Francisco. There's a big racing fleet down in San Francisco. And then some of those boats have slowly made their way up here. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're great sea boats. Um, Blondie Hassler raced Jester was a, um, you know, if you follow any of the transatlantic racing, that was a folk boat that he put a, he kind of decked it over and put a junk rig on it. And he crossed the Atlantic in it several times. Really? So, yeah. And it's a lap straight boat, which is mm-hmm. different for a sailboat. 
Yeah. Well, it, it depends on where you're from. Right. Yeah, for, yeah. for a bigger boat. But for, in that part of the, the world, it's not unusual to have yeah. a lap strike and sailing boat. So what, what boat did you build first in your life? Um, well, I didn't really build very many boats until I started teaching. Okay. Um, I had done... When I got out of boat school, I went to, I went to the school here in 1989. It was a six-month program then. And then I got out, and I was lucky enough to get hired with Ray Speck. Um, and Ray was, at the point in time, was building a 34-foot cruising boat for a couple. So I got right out of boat school into a big new construction. Nice. So that was... Um, pretty unusual i mean now looking back at it i realize how lucky i was to walk yeah. out of boat school and yeah. build a new cruising boat and then after that job um was completed we you know ray got me hooked up with somebody else that he knew miguel winterburn in town and so then and then from then on it was mostly rebuilds and reconstruction and repair most of the industry is in this area and here in port townsend then yeah here in port townsend yeah, yeah. so then i worked in, again i worked for four years in port townsend um, you know, I would originally come here. I was going to be here for six months and go back to Alaska. And four years later, I thought I'd made it out of here. Oh, really? <laughs> you just yeah, I was getting never better. Get yeah, away. we bought a boat. Yeah, we bought a boat and we started rebuilding it. And then, um, you know, I was getting better jobs, and I realized this, the kind of work that was coming through here was I wasn't going to see in Alaska. And I kept getting, um, you know, I was working with great people and getting really interesting jobs. So then, um, finally, in '94, we were able to get out of here for a while yeah you, you still have your folk boat no we sold it when we left um when we left sitka we got our son up there and um my family was flying in and for them to fly in, it just was expensive so we thought we'd try to move to um homer so we moved to homer for a year and didn't really like it and my wife wanted to go to nursing school so before we left sitka um, we sold the boat and said, "Good, she's still up there." Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you, you still uh, do you have a boat now? Personal boat? I've got a boat project. I've got a spit scatter that um, I'm in the middle of restoring right now. Okay. And what is that what kind of boat? Is that uh, spit scatter is another Danish boat. They seem to come to me. Uh, huh. They're big double enders, though. They're you probably put a, it's only 26 feet, but you probably put a full boat inside of them. They're, really. Um, real beamy boat. real beamy boat and again it's another kind of class of boat that as the guys were leaving uh, Europe after World War II they started bringing them back and a bunch of them ended up down in San Francisco and San Diego and then a few of them migrated to Canada and now it seems like they're collecting in Port Towns and there's about five or six of them really uh, yeah. so really pretty full stern double ender yeah beautiful boat so when did you start teaching here at the school in 2000 okay I came back and I worked um you know, my own, again, we left Alaska for my wife to go to nursing school, and then um, in two, and I went back and I was working for Ernie Barrett in Port Townsend. Oh, yeah. I'd worked for Ernie. <clears throat> excuse me, I'd worked for Ernie before I left, and I came back and I started working for Ernie again. And then in two thousand, Ray called me and said, "You need to come teach." And so, oh, really? Yeah. And so I thought, well, we kind of time was, was a little bit slow right then. I thought I'd take a year or two off and um, and teach and. So I ended up right back where I started. Wow! So you've been and, here for uh, so I've 12, been here for 11, yeah. This years. is my I think I think this is my eleventh class. Wow. Maybe it's my twelfth class. So how do you like it? I like it. It took me a long time to kind of come to terms with being a teacher and not working out in the yard, um, but I'm pretty comfortable with it now. The people are great. I mean, we are. I think if it was an accounting school or something, the people we'd get is, are different. <laughs> um, just being a wooden boat school, we get. 
interesting people from all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really interesting to see how these people blend. You have people um, like Pete who brought you here. He was a, you know, a skipper on, for the Navy. And one of my favorite things was watching him work with this girl who was literally a hippie living out in the woods in a school bus. You know, and it's like, where else in the world can you put these two people together? And she's ordering him around, and they're having the greatest time, and getting work done. You know, it's really neat to see that and to see yeah. how people who've, um, who've never made anything, you know, come here. And uh, you've got to teach them how to sharpen chisels and what a chisel is and how to use it. And by the end, they're, you know, we're not even all the way through the year, and you look at the quality of the work on that boat behind you, and it's, you know, it's amazing that that's work from people who've, you know, 90% of them have never done any woodworking so yeah that's a beautiful boat definitely so what's your uh, do you have any personal favorite projects you've worked on over the years boat projects yeah um several of them i mean they're all my favorite for a while (laughs) (laughs) until they're almost done i really like this forest service boat that we're building right now that's one that's it's not a boat that you know usually we'll try to take commissions if we don't have a commission we'll take a We'll pick one that fits the curriculum, and so I'm really smitten with the Northwest boats because I've spent my whole life working on them, and I think the work boats out here are some of the prettiest work boats uh, anywhere, the fishing boats, and so this Forest Service boat really has a look of a trawler, Um, so it's been fun to be able to build one from scratch, and then last year, I've never been a big (coughs) racing boat fan but we got commissioned to build a yankee one design and uh it's kind of the polar opposite of that boat it's a long sleek racing boat and so that was pretty sailboat yeah it's a sailboat so um so that was pretty fun so you built that last year um well i guess we sailed we finished it it was the last project so it was two years ago when we started this boat what we'll do is we'll start one boat as we finish another one I see. And so, um, you know, we finished her up and launched her. She was in Wooden Boat um, June, last June. There was an article on her in Wooden Boat. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a nice boat, too. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me a little bit more about this uh, Forest Service boat here. Um, What's the background on that? Okay, so it's a 26-foot boat, and it was built by the Forest Service for the scalers. And what a scaler does is the scaler goes in after they've already logged uh, a, a timber sale the scaler would go in and tie up to the log boom and they would jump off with their cork boots and their little measuring sticks and they'd run around on top of the logs in the in the bays and they would measure either end of the log and determine how many board feet were in it they would look and try and determine what type of wood it was whether it was yellow cedar hemlock spruce fir and they would come up with a, a better estimate of what kind of wood was there. You know, they, if there was a wood, if there was a log that had rot in the middle of it that they couldn't see when they were initially estimating the cut, so they would then take that information and they would um, put that out for bid. And then the logging company and the Forest Service would take a percentage of the proceeds. So the boat was built really heavily. Um, we actually took about two inches two inches off the stem. Hmm. Um, because it was made to go into these, you know, huge, you know, six foot through logs that would be floating around. So the boat had to be built really heavily for oh, that. So they were bumping logs they were bumping all the way, way in, in, huh? Yeah, and the guys uh, were jumping off and on in cork boots, and um, so the boat was built really heavily. So we did take the scantlings, the sizes down a little bit. Um, I mean, the bow was was built like a tugboat. 
So, wow. And so she's still pretty stout, but yeah. um, not as stout as she had to be. We pushed the engine back. Originally, she had a Chrysler Crown, um, which is a 135 horsepower boat or um, motor, but she only has a hull speed of about seven knots. So you, mostly that power was for if a log got loose or they needed to get out of trouble, they had that extra reserve to pull and tug. It was way overpowered for what it is. So we put a little Yanmar um, 39 horsepower in it and pushed it back so it's partially outside because originally it was just the wheelhouse was pretty much the engine compartment. Mm-hmm. But with the engine being smaller, we were able to push it back. So it should make a nice little comfortable cruiser for a couple people to you know, go up the San Juans or up the inside passage. Yeah. So what's a whole speed on a boat like this? About seven knots would, yeah. be, about, would be about it. You'd start to... Um, you probably go a little bit faster, but then you just start your fuel consumption would go way up. Yeah, right, right. So, so uh, you guys here at the school kind of uh, use the Northwest style of con- wooden boat construction. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean, Tim? Well, a lot of it comes from um, the Prothero family, which started the school. And Bob and Frank are pretty famous builders around here. And they grew up on the Seattle waterfront. They were born right at the turn of the century. Um, and Bob died in '81, and so he about he was about 80, 80 years old at that point. But so they grew up in this area. And this area is kind of unique. You don't hear a lot about it, um, you know, in the books and literature unless you live out here. But because it was an area that had a lot of immigration happening, Port Townsend was settled in 1850. So you only have really 60 years of settlement by the time you get to 1900. But between the gold rush and people moving in and the fishing industry growing, there was a constant influx of people. And depending on what area you were from, if you're from Ballard, there's a lot of Norwegians. If you're up the coast just a little bit around Victoria and Canada, there's a lot of Japanese. Tacoma had a lot of people from the Mediterranean um, down in Astoria, there were a lot of Finnish people. So you had all these people coming from all these different boat building traditions. Mm. And literally, they were neighbors with each other. And they would work around from shop to shop. So they were able to kind of borrow from each other's building traditions. So instead of just being, you know, if you were an English boat builder, instead of just building the way that your grandfather built, you could kind of see how these other traditions had evolved. Um, kind of the things that the Prothros... So what we teach is what the Prothros felt was the best of, of everything they had seen. And so, you know, when you look through most of the boat building books, you'll see people bending frames on the inside of the boat where you have to kind of force the frame down into the turn of the bilge and then fight with the frame to get it to twist and lay fair um, by using lofting, which was really... Um, the shops out here were pretty lofting-dependent. And um, they, with lofting, they could almost go to a, a mass production sort of um, way of running their shops but with lofting we could measure basically from the inside, the outside of the boat to to where the frames are going to bend onto the rib bands so we will bend our frames on the outside of the boat rather than bending them on the inside Um, and then it just makes it much easier to bend so instead of having to force a straight board into the curve of the boat you can kind of clamp it and twist it as you go so we like to do that. We use a clamp and shelf um, arrangement. A lot of boats will just have a clamp. Uh, so you steam it and fix 
fit it to the outside of the boat, yeah. where it's going to go on the inside, and then you take it inside and put it in no, place. No, no, we don't. We actually, because of the way we loft, we can, if you know how thick a boat is, and you know the angles that this, because we set up when you're lofting, you set up the boat, you measure it at stations every two mm-hmm. feet or something like that. Yeah. Then figuring out the angles. I mean, basically what we do is we use, graphically, we use trigonometry to figure out if the hull, the frames, um, and the planking are, say, three inches, and we know that the hull is passing through a station line at 15 degrees, we can determine how far in along that station line we need to measure to make our molds at the correct angle. I see. Right, so, so when we build our form, our setup form, we make our molds basically inside of where the frames would be oh okay right so all the bending and the other so the advantages to that are our molds are never in the way of when we're setting up when we're framing if you're you're framing to the inside you're going to have some molds that are going to interfere with where you want to put frames yeah so they're always it's always easy for us to frame there's nothing there's never anything in the way Mm -hmm. we can fit our clamp and shelf and our build stringers before we frame because we just put those onto the molds and then we frame whereas otherwise if you frame to the inside when it comes time to put those longitudinal strength members in you've got to fit them inside the boat and it's along the outside curve so you kind of got to snap those in place because they're long right? mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and then we can get good fits at either end all right okay so um and then like we make the floor timbers we like our floor timbers to sit on top of the frames and be bolted through um, you'll see some like the Hirschhoffs uh, were would put the um, they'd loft the floors out and then edge bolt the frames to the floor timbers. Oh, um, so there's there's little construction details like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. That, uh, mm-hmm. that we like to to use. Yeah. What about overall design uh, as far as the look of the hole and that sort of thing? Is there anything unique about? Um, well, I think so. I mean, the, that's the great thing about being on the Northwest and being, um, you know, being a place that had developed kind of late is that we can basically, everything was built out here. Their white halls were built out here. We'll build any sort of boat. But as far as stylistically, like a lot of the pulling boats tended to be fuller. Um, you know, some of them just almost like they took a white hole and cut it in half and laid it out. And I don't really know why that is. My assumption is is because people were out catching keen salmon and doing a lot of subsistence stuff out of them yeah um then there were just it's like anywhere around the water you just have different little um every town had a little boat builder who had their own style um you know polsbo had ronald young the polsbo boat's another really famous boat from around here little inboard launches mm-hmm. um the fishing boats and tugboats i think definitely have a very distinct look, and they're um, really well-built, good-looking mm-hmm. boats. You know, I look at the bolts boats from the Gulf Coast, and uh, they just—they just look rougher. Um, mm-hmm. They don't—they're not as fine of boats. And some of that, I think, has to do with when these boats were being built. Naval architecture had also grown up, where you're not dealing with. Um, you know, when my great grandfather fished out of a boat that looked like this. And so this is what I want, and they're modifying these older designs. A lot of these designs were done originally on a drawing board instead oh. of carved out of a half model. And I see. So it's kind of a newer, newer yeah. form. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, 
last year or the year before, I think it was, you spent some time in Ireland helping set up a school there. Is that right? Yeah, that was last last summer. Yeah, tell me about that experience. Well, I'd been in contact with this company. It's the AKI Len School, and um, they're out of they're in two places. They're in Baltimore, um, West Cork, which is the south of Ireland, and they're rebuilding the Ilen, which is a, a catch that. Um, Connor O'Brien, who was kind of a writer and um, sailor, had built this boat, and he'd sailed around the world in it. And this gentleman, uh, Gary McMahon, had um, grew up in Limerick, where Connor was from, and so he's always kind of been interested in him. And he found out that this boat was built. Well, he, the island was built for. Um, I misspoke. The island, the island was built for service in the Falkland Islands. And when Connor had done his circumnavigation, he had made some contacts there. And so the boat was built in Baltimore and then taken down to the Falklands. And then when Gary learned that she was still floating, she's the last big sailing Irish-built sailing boat around. And so he brought her back and started rebuilding her. And in the process, this rebuilding process, they started this little school where it's in Limerick, which Limerick is a pretty rough part of Ireland. And... Um, so they're working with, they initially started off kind of running programs for troubled kids and unemployed men and recovering addicts and things like that. And then just as they were doing that, they got more and more interested in the, starting the school. And so Gary started calling me and asking me questions, and I would just say, well, you know, you send me a plane ticket and I'll, <laughs> I'll answer those questions for you. And uh, then he did. So Oh, really? Yeah, after, you know, I helped him find some wood and... Um, so he said, well, we'll fly you over. And um, and it just happened to cors- correspond with when I wasn't teaching for a term. Okay. So I went over and spent a month in Limerick working with them, helping. Um, they're mostly joiners. I mean, they're, they go, they're woodworkers. They go through a more formal apprenticeship. So the guys I was working with, there was one guy who had learned to build curricks, which is a skin-on-frame Irish boat. Hmm. And then the other two had done a little bit of boat building and ship um, joinery, but primarily they were they were joiners and if you asked them what they did they would say they were stair builders so these got really accomplished carpenters but they hadn't done much teaching and they hadn't done much boat building so I worked with them for a month and then I went down to West Cork where the island's being rebuilt and then they have a couple well they have three boat builders they're traditional boat builders but they're not um, teachers and so I was working with them trying to help them organize kind of the workshops that they're doing so did they officially start a school there then? They did. After I left, um, they had their first paying class there, and I think they had 40 people sign up for evening classes in right. Limerick. And so they're, um, they're teaching classes, and they've, you know, we kind of looked around at the boats that they had and what was local, and they're going to build a couple gandalos like we're building here and um, try and design some classes around around that mm-hmm. and ideally they want to they want to set up more like the school here and we've kind of pledged that we'll help them set up so i'm still in contact with them and they're kind of building towards trying to have an accredited degree program very there. cool yeah so it's like you got a child over there kind of you birthed a new school yeah yeah i have to go back and make sure that everything's going good over there <laughs> go hear some music and drink some guinness with them you know make sure everything's still in line Funny, funny. So do you get out on the water yourself? Not as much as I used to, but yeah. I, I really? Do. What, what kind of boating you're doing? 
Um, well, usually it's like there'll be races or a regatta or something around here, and somebody will ask me to go sailing with them, and I'll do that. I'll, you know, during the last festival, I was on the Yankee a lot, and some friends of ours have Alcyone, which is a big schooner oh, yeah. here. That's, right. a, that's a Frank Prothrow boat. And oh, is it? So if they call me, I'll usually hop on and go with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. But having a house and having a boat project and having a kid playing soccer, I don't get out quite <laughs> as much as I used to. So. Interesting. A few more years when he's off to college, I'll get back out there. Yeah. So... Uh, any, uh, who would be the most interesting student that you've taught over the last 10, 12 years? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, interesting in a good way. In a good way, yeah. yeah. Inside the law. It, it's really hard to say. Every class has some somebody. We had a, you know, I've had a student one year who had no interest in boats. She was from L.A. She'd grown up totally in the city, and she was an artist and sculptor. And she was coming just to learn how to do curved work, and she was really interesting. Um, you have young young kid from Haines, Alaska, got out of boat school. He went down to South America and built a raft and floated part of the Amazon. Um, oh, really? <laughs> you, you, you never know. And then you start hearing their stories, and you're like, "Wow, am I stuck here? These people are doing great, you know, off doing great things, you know, and traveling." Yeah. Um, you know, there's another young guy who's from town. He came in on the... We work with the Port Townsend Marine Trades Association, and they have a um, scholarship that they... You know, we basically hold a place and allow them to grant a... You know, pick somebody kind of from the community. And we had a young guy um, who I'd had a chance to work with in the yard a little bit. And he's, you know... He was a great worker. We were working on this big boat, and we basically gave him a sawzall and sent him down into a diesel tank and told him to cut it up. And... In the morning, he'd crawl into the diesel tank with a sawzall, and in the end of the day, he'd come out covered, <laughs> you know, just horrible. <laughs> and he came here, and he's, you know, this young guy, and he worked everybody else into the ground. And so you teach people like that, and, like, he and his girlfriend then went over to Norway, and they did some traveling and working over there, and he came back, and he, he's bought a boat here in town, and he's restoring it. So then you get students who you know are carrying on the trade, so they're, I mean, they're really good, but every every year's got somebody. Very cool. It's the, the school's full of characters. Yeah, yeah. So, which can be challenging, but it yeah. makes it fun. So, uh, so I reserved a couple minutes here at the end to give your pitch for the school. If people are interested in attending a wooden boat school, why should they come here? I don't know if there's any other ones to go to. Really, <laughs> um, I think it's a great it's a great school. It's a good program. Um, I think one of the things that we have that I, I mean, I haven't been to all the other schools, and I'm sure that they have great programs and great people, but what we have is this yard, this boatyard in Port Townsend, where, you know, a bunch of the people working there, I mean, a lot of people, if you're interested in wooden boats, you've probably heard of Port Townsend. What you probably don't know is of the people who are doing the woodwork, I would say conservatively 60% of them are graduates of our school. There's not a shop down there that doesn't have one or two of our graduates working mm-hmm. there. So we can do these field trips and Port Townsend is really unique where you've got four or five major shops doing really big work. Um, 90 foot boats quite often tore apart and so we can take our students down there and get them into the shops and um, it's just nice to have that that rapport mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Um, and then the Northwest is a great place. I mean, you know, people want to go to Maine to boat build, that's fine. But if you're going to be in Maine in November, I know where I'd rather be. You know, it's 40 <laughs> degrees here, and 
You know, yeah. you might get a week of snow or something like that. It's fairly inexpensive place to live. Um, I mean, that's just in the region. Within three hours, I can be across the Cascades into the high desert. Mm-hmm. I can be in Vancouver. I can be in Portland. I can be in Seattle. I can be in the rainforest. Um, I mean, it's just an amazing location. Yeah. And what's your role here as an instructor? What kind of area do you... I teach mostly traditional um, boat building. I've boat taught the small craft class um, for the first few years, and now I'm teaching large craft. Um, my title is the chief instructor, which means I just go to more meetings than anybody else, basically. <laughs> um, I have to deal with the board members and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's been basically, it's there's... You know, I'm trying to help recruit instructors, those kind of things. And I think right now we've got a great mix. I guess this is another plug for the school. I think we've got a great mix of we've got a couple, you know, older guys who are kind of getting towards, I guess we can start calling them masters now because they're they're getting ready to retire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jeff Hammond's been here forever and race back. And um, you just have been really great mentors to me. And, you know, I guess I'm getting up there now. I'm almost 50 because so I've been at this for like 20 years. And um, so there's me and Bruce Blatchley. Um, I'm missing somebody else, too, who are kind of, you know, at the top of our game now, I would say. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we've been doing this long enough that we're comfortable. We're still, I mean, you're always learning, but we've, you know, we're not, I would say that we're approaching master. I would have a hard time calling myself a master, but I'd say I'm at the end of my journeyman time. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a couple of young guys, uh, Sean Kuman and Ben Kahn, who've been you know working the trade for like 10 years they've they've got their chops down they're good hard workers they've seen pretty much everything you're going to see in the repair end of the yard um but they've still i mean they're still really hungry and have a lot of energy to bring and so it's been great having some of the younger guys come in too so the school i mean we teach master apprentice to our students but that's also how we teach our instructors that we're and that's just the way the trade is so it's kind of um I mean, it's, it's a great it's a great group of people to be working with. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah. So what's your contact information here, Tim? If somebody wants to get a hold of you or the school, what do they do? Um, well, my email is tim at nwboatschool.org. Okay. And the school, uh, you know, if you just put info at nwboatschool.org, you'll get um, just the general mail. And the school's phone number is 360 360- Three eight five four nine four eight. Okay. And then we're also on the web and on Facebook and all that good modern stuff. Yeah. You do a lot of tweeting while you're working? I don't do any tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little Facebook. I usually try and put some pictures from the class that I'm doing. Okay. I'll put a folder up. and Cool. Because um, I'm always kind of taking pictures of what the students are doing and so their folks can see what, what's going on. Okay. So uh, any parting comments for our listeners today, Tim? Uh, no. Um, if you're interested in wooden boats, I would uh, make a better life choice. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a very interesting. It's been a good life, I think, they've given me. It's always been always interesting, always good people, good work. Um, cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks. Thanks again, Tim, for taking the time to do the interview with me. That was a lot of fun. Good luck to you at your instructor post there in Port Hadlock. That's a cool place. I'd love to get back there and go to school myself someday for a year and learn uh, learn some more techniques and skills and 
all that stuff. So thanks again, Tim. Okay, uh, just mention one more time, if you haven't already, please subscribe to my e-news list by going to my homepage, hookedonwoodenboats.com, clicking on the button on the upper right-hand corner. And also connect with me. Uh, you can email me, dan at Hooked on Wooden Boats. I love to hear from you, uh, from the listeners, getting stories, finding out about the boats they're building or using, uh, fun stuff like that. And you can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and now Pinterest by looking for Wooden Boat Dan. And I hope you have a great week. I've got some cool interviews lined up for the next few weeks here. Uh, one with the uh, owners of the David B., which I won't go into all the gory details right now, but it's a 1929-foot wooden boat that they restored. And another boat builder I found, Eric Freiberg, North Fjord Boats in Bellingham. So those will be coming up here in the near future. And anyway, I hope you have a great week. Keep the bright side up and the barnacled side down. This is Wooden Boat Dan, over and out.